it changed me in a really powerful way by just letting me see what we're capable of and sparking that thought that maybe me, maybe me. Welcome to the Memorial Marathon Run to Remember podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Fairs, and I'm delighted to be a part of this show that celebrates the spirit of the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon. We're excited to be sharing in this Road to the Marathon journey with you over the next few weeks. It's a new year, and many of you have made it your resolution to run a full marathon, a half marathon, or just get moving a bit more. We're here to help you do just that with this podcast, which is sponsored and produced by Knox Studios, a creative studio and production partner for the modern media age. Each week leading up to the marathon, you'll hear from runners, trainers, community members, and representatives who discuss everything race-related. In this week's show, you'll learn why we run and hear powerful testimonials from three people profoundly impacted by the Oklahoma City bombing. All have since participated in the Memorial Marathon. I'll be joining you in the running journey as well. I've been a longtime participant in the Memorial Marathon at the half marathon distance. My daughter has run this race with me previously, and she's now training for the full marathon. And she is encouraging me to join with her. The 2022 Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon takes place the weekend of April 22nd through the 24th. If you haven't signed up yet, go to okcmarathon.com and get registered now for the run to remember. Here's our race director to tell you more. Hi, I'm Carrie Watkins, race director of the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon. After we completed our marathon this past October, we asked runners for feedback on the two-day format. You spoke and we listened. So today I'm happy to announce that our 2022 races will be held over the course of two days. The Kids Marathon and the 5K will be held on Saturday, April 23rd, and the Marathon, Half Marathon, and Five-Person Relay will be run on Sunday, April 24th. So many of you expressed interest in the Why We Run series and your preference on this two-day format. We appreciate your input and we look forward to bringing the two-day weekend back for 2022. We're also excited to be bringing the marathon back to April. It's been too long. It occurs in connection with the anniversary of the bombing on April 19th. And this race is about more than running. It's about celebrating life. It'll be a full weekend with the Health and Fitness Expo on Friday and Saturday and the races on Saturday and Sunday. We can't wait to welcome everyone back to Oklahoma City for the 22nd Run to Remember. Thank you, Carrie. I'm so excited to introduce you to our first guest today. Bart Yasso is a Hall of Fame runner who served as the chief running officer for Runner's World for 30 years. He's one of only a small group of people to have completed races on all seven continents. Perhaps that's why he's known as the mayor of running. So let's just dive right in. Bart, thanks for joining us today. Bart, can you start off by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I worked at Runner's World Magazine for 31 years. I've been running consistently for 45 years. I literally have run all over the world. Part of my job at Runner's World all those years, I ended up doing races everywhere. It's been a dream. But now I spend more of my time getting new people into our sport, engaging with runners. I really want people to be a runner for life, and that's the way I look at my running, and that's what I profess to other runners. Mm -hmm. A new year, we've got new starts, new goals, new beginnings. How do you suggest that people start their training? 
Sure. What's, what's the best first step to take for a runner? The first step is to make that commitment. So Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon, you got your choice of a half marathon, marathon. You can be part of a relay. You can do the 5K we have on Saturday. You should know which distance you're ready to tackle. And you got to enter early and make that commitment and then train properly for that distance. The best training plan for, for any runner is the training plan that works best for them. That's really the key. You've been running for 45 years. You obviously have some tips and tricks on how to avoid injuries. Uh, Yeah. The problem is most people, when they reach out to me about injuries, they're already injured. So I try to get people not to get injured by doing a few things. You really have to listen to your body. The biggest mistake people make is they run their long runs too quickly. And the long run is the cornerstone of endurance racing. It's really, you know, the most important workout you do. And uh, you cannot do it too quickly because then you're doing a race instead of a workout. I also profess doing a little bit of cross training. Take a day off of running and go to the gym, use an elliptical or go for a swim or go for a bike ride. So you're still getting exercise, but you're giving your body a break. For the long run that you were talking about that most people do it too quickly, how do you suggest that you get into that and run it? Yeah, the long run. I know it sounds counterintuitive to say runs run slower and you will run race faster, mm-hmm. but it's absolutely true. Those long runs need to be about a minute to almost 90 seconds slower than the pace you plan to do on race day. You can finish the end of your long run a little bit faster, but the majority of that long run should be at a slower pace, literally a minute slower per mile than the pace you plan on running on race day. And the long run is all about time on your feet and the endurance you get out of the long run. Do you suggest running with a training group? Is that something that you see a benefit from? Yes. Training groups are so helpful. When I started doing long runs in the 70s, they called the sport the loneliness of the long distance (laughs) runner. And there were not group runs. I did many long runs, 20, 22 mile runs where I never saw another runner. Nowadays, all these groups get together. So mm-hmm. if you don't have a training group, you got to find one through your local running store or your local running club. And if you can't find a group in your community, uh, then you can find a group online. So as you're talking about the plans and how to go about mm-hmm. our training, what do you suggest for mileage during the week, building up your mileage, how fast, how many miles should we be running? Let's say that we're running the full in April. What should our mileage look like as we get up to that? So the mileage all comes into play on where you are in running. Are you really just new to the sport and only running 20 miles a week at this point? Have you been doing the sport a while and have a base where you consistently can have been running 40, 50 miles a week and then some of the faster runners that run 70, 80 miles a week. So it all depends on where you're at. You don't want to build a, a graph that just goes straight up and sure. add on miles because that that's when your body just can't handle it. If you start at like 14 miles and then the next week, I would suggest 16 and then go to 18 and then go back to 16 and go to 18 and then go to 20 and then go back. Okay. So you're giving your body a break. You're building up as you're going along. And this time you can start a little further with the mileage, build up another pyramid. And the same with the half marathon, you know, start out six, eight, 10, and then go eight, 10, 12, 
something like that. Sure. And then always give yourself a long run, three weeks straight on the weekend, and then back off a weekend. Sure. And then start building up again. And how far do you recommend people go up to the yeah, leading so, up to the race? Yeah, so 20 really works. Build up to it. Get a couple 20 milers under your belt before race day, and you'll be fine. For half marathoners, you can get up to 12 miles. You know, build it slowly like I talked about. And then 12 miles is fine to get that as your longest run. You'll be ready to go. So some people always ask me, like, okay, if I run my long run a minute slower than my marathon pace, how am I going to run my marathon pace on race day? And that's where these marathon pace runs come in and speed work and things like that that you want to do. That's where you'll get faster, and then you'll be able to sustain that pace. Now, tell me this. You run 20 miles. What about the last six? You know, there's always this thing about the wall at 20 miles, and there really is not a wall at 20 miles. People that start out too quickly create a wall at 20 miles. It really is. It just what will happen later in a race, especially the marathon distance. It, is, it does become more mental and physical in those closing miles. And if you've got the right mindset, you can just push on. The example I use, one of my early work assignments at Runner's World back in 1989 was to run a race called the Badwater 146, 146-mile race in Death Valley in July. And at that time, I never ran past 26.2 miles. So I remember being at the starting line and the race director said, one minute to go to the start of the Badwater 146. When he said that, I was like, wow, this race is 120 miles longer than I've ever run in my life. And it's 120 degrees and you finish on top of Mount Whitney, which is the highest mountain in the contiguous 48 states. So there's a lot to overcome just besides running 146 (laughs) miles. But I just remember telling myself, all the running you did all these years, this is why you did it. When I got to that marker at 100 miles, I was like, oh my God, there's only 46 miles to go. (laughs) And I acted like that was just like running around the block. That's what I had in my head. So I was obviously thinking correctly. (laughs) So it was not an easy last 46 miles. But So how do you stay motivated? What keeps you pounding the pavement every day? Yeah, it is the people, the running community, I find as a as a really great community of people. I like to be surrounded by runners. I motivate myself through inspirational people that I meet in our sport. I'm in my late 60s, so I slowed down a lot. And I have this picture <laughs> from the Big Sur Marathon taken like 30 years apart. But the picture was taken in the exact same location. And you can see in the first picture, I got hair and I was a lot faster <laughs> than I am now. And People always ask me, doesn't that bother you that you run so much slower than you used to? And it does not bother me. I just feel so happy that I still can do it. I don't take it for granted. And I love it. So as long as I still have the passion and the joy, why would I stop? If there's somebody that's on the fence about running the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon, what would you tell them to motivate them? If you really want to do a race for a great cause and a great reason, the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon Run to Remember. There's nothing like it. It really resonates with why it came about, why it's happening, and the way you connect race weekend. It's pretty special. It is I get emotional special. just talking about yes. it, let alone when you're there and physically involved with everything that's going on. It's pretty special. 
And it's something that for runners that, you know, may only do it one time, it's something they'll never forget. Mm -hmm. Very true. So you have named OKC one of the 12 races to run. What is your reasoning behind that? Yeah, I did a piece on Runner's World on, you know, marathons you had to do. That's what I talked about earlier, the connection it has with the memorial. But I thought of the, the community just comes out for this race and they, they understand the importance of it. And I think the running community understands the importance of it. When you're immersed in a race weekend, I come now and do a lot of race festivities. Uh-huh. But I did run the marathon in 2010 to because I really wanted to physically feel it, not just sure. being at the finish line, doing uh, race announcing and speaking to runners at the expo. I really wanted to get out there and cover the 26.2 in Oklahoma City and, and feel that community support. And it's so special. And that's why I gave it that moniker, one of the 12 you have to do. Bart, this has been really fun. It was really nice to talk to you. Oh, thank you so much. If you'd like to keep up with Bart on social media, you'll find him on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Bart Yasso. Yasso is Y-A-S-S-O. What makes the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon so special is the reason why we run. It's not just another marathon. It's the Run to Remember, a race that began in 2001 to honor the memories of those killed in the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing. Joining us now are family member Blaine Arthur, bombing survivor Amy Downs, first responder Greg Johnston, and the executive director of the Oklahoma City National Memorial and Museum, Carrie Watkins. Thank you all for being here. You each were touched by the tragedy 26 years ago and have a unique story to share. That story today includes participating in the Run to Remember, the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon. Blaine, I'm going to start with you. Your mom, Dr. Peggy Clark, was a veterinarian working for the Department of Agriculture when she was killed in the bombing. That was obviously devastating for your family. How old were you at the time, and how did that affect you and your sisters? Uh, Certainly. I was 13 in 1995. I have an older sister and a younger sister. And certainly something that you never thought that you would navigate through at all. And a lot of times we as a family really like to focus on the positives that came out of a really, really terrible situation in that not having our mom come home from work that day and how that changed really the rest of our lives. But the positive certainly was that we have this wonderful community here in Oklahoma that helped to make sure that all of us were surrounded with the resources and love and help that we needed to keep going. And Amy, you were actually in the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building when the bomb exploded. Tell us about that day. Well, you know, it was a normal spring morning at work, and I was just sitting at my desk on the third floor near the front windows of the building. And it went in an instant from a normal spring morning to everything changing. Mm -hmm. And Greg, you were one of the first responders who rushed in to help. Take us back to April 19th. What was your role then? My response or my role there was uh, scene security on mm-hmm. the uh, outside perimeter. For those of you who don't know about it, but for the police department, when things like that happen, uh, these tragic events, these large-scale events, they'll activate everybody, and uh, all your focus and attention is right here. Sure. What stands out to you the most or what was your biggest lesson from that day? The biggest impressive thing that I remember is just the response of everybody, all the people, the resources, just everything that you needed, the outflowing of 
people calling and saying, hey, do you need a bulldozer? Do you need a, a crane? All the law enforcement, the the businesses that respond. Here's food. Here's equipment. Here's a flashlight. Here's a hard hat to go inside the building. It's just that that Oklahoma standard and without having, you know, said, here's whatever you need. Right. With zero hesitation. Yes, ma'am. Yep. Um, so in 2001 was the very first Memorial Marathon. Blaine, can you tell us when your involvement began and what races you have run? So I'd have to count up the years. It's probably been close to 10 years now, I think. Um, and certainly I would never consider myself or my family to be runners. So the fact that we participate, I think, is a great part of the story. We had lots of friends who had run the half or the full, and so we'd come to watch them. And uh, I think my older sister was the one who said, well, we should all do the 5K, you know, because that's a manageable amount that we can do. And so the first year, got a big group together. I think Carrie even stopped by. We were eating pasta mm-hmm. at the Skirvin Hotel, like we were like real runners, right? <laughs> we're not um, that very first year. But since that time has become absolutely this big extended family event. This year, I did the half marathon. And again, don't really consider myself a runner, but I did run the whole time, which for me was a big success. I got kind of tickled because I was speaking at an event after that. And the gentleman who introduced me, you know, said, and this is Blaine Arthur and she's these things and she's a runner. And I was like, I've never been introduced as a runner before. (laughs) But the really unique piece of that is it has extended this family for us of friends who said, well, we want to come run with you or we're going to do the half or we're going to do the full. So we have a big, big group that does the 5K, but then folks who have taken on the lengthier portions of the race as well, because they know it's so important to our family. And so that group has really grown over time. You touched on one of the things I love about the Memorial Marathon is that there is a spot for almost anybody from running the 5K all the way to the full and the volunteers too. Yes, there is absolutely a place that you can come either work or participate. And for anyone who hasn't had the chance, being there for the race, that experience and all of the support from the crowd is something on either side of it that I really encourage people to experience. And you've run the Governor's Relay Challenge, and the whole challenge is, can you beat the Gov? Oh, I forgot about the Relay Challenge. Yes, yes. Don't tell Uh, the Governor. (laughs) (laughs) We did that, I guess, two years ago. Certainly very appreciative that the governor has done the relay every single year. Yes. Included different groups in that part. There were people in the cabinet that didn't know my story or know my tie to the memorial. And so it just gives that many more folks a lens into what happened here and why it's important to remember. Amy, can you tell us about when you first started participating and in the capacity that you've participated? Well, I first started participating at a water stop. So our credit union, which was in the building at the time of the bombing, was it's an important event for us to remember and honor those that we lost. So I started out volunteering. And then in, I believe it was 2011, I ran my first half. And then I have participated in almost every one since, except maybe one. And I have run two fulls. Wow. So it is a really important event to me. Yeah. Yes. Greg, we see so many first responders running each year who show out in force to honor and respect. You're just driven to be a part of it. And, and, you know, in your mind, the biggest thing is you just don't want to sit home that day after all your involvement in it. I do it for, you know, running the full marathon or the half marathon. There's times that I haven't run the, the race, maybe due to injuries. 
but I'm driven to participate. So I'll volunteer for the police department, maybe work an intersection, traffic control, something like that. So you want to be involved in somehow. Can you tell me about a favorite moment or a special memory from the race? Amy, we can start with you. Well, crossing the finish line is always the best. <laughs> but no, I, uh, you know, I can remember when I did the full in 2017, reaching a point where I wanted to stop. I just was done. The wind was crazy around like Hefner. And is that the year it sleeted? Yes, yes, that was the is. crazy weather. <laughs> and so I was, and I'm a back of the pack runner, so I'm very slow, which technically means, you know, I endure longer and it's an endurance race. So I really think there should be an award for the person that endures the longest. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm really falling apart and I'm thinking, you know, why am I doing this? Like really, like I don't need this. I've done a full marathon before. The half is fine. I knew Starbucks was coming up. I'm thinking I'm going to go in the Starbucks. I'm going to call an Uber. Like it's cool. You know, I've done enough of these. And I was walking, and I looked up, and I saw the um, flag for Robin Huff. Mm -hmm. And Robin Huff was seven months pregnant and was sitting right next to me when the bomb went off. Wow. And when I looked up, and I saw her name, and I thought, you know, yeah, I can do this. And, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run to remember. And that was just a really special moment for me. Mm-hmm. Blaine, what about you? What special moments and memories do you have from the race? Well, certainly lots of them over time. I think what was so fabulous is on the half, all those different areas where those people are outside of their homes, cheering everyone, and they don't know you from the man in the moon, but they're like high-fiving and you got it, keep going, all the fun signs and just seeing that it meant that much to those folks to be cheering everyone on. There's a big sense of community as you're running yes, the race. Yes, absolutely. For sure. Greg, what about you? Well, I, I wanted to say what Amy was saying is how that stuff creeps into your head when you're really, really tired. That happens to me, too. Uh, why am I doing this? It'd be so much easier to get this Uber, call my wife. She'll come get me. We can go home and forget the rest of this because you're <laughs> so tired. I mean, those are just just milliseconds of flashes through your mind. But yeah. then you, you find whatever that is that inspires you just to keep going. For me, it was my first marathon, and I, I'd been training with a fireman. And, and he had a great passion for it. And he was, you know, 15 years older than me. And we were probably about mile 18 into it. And I had slowed way down. I started walking. You and know, that was Classen, too, probably. Uh, it was <laughs> probably very close so. to Classen. Golly. Because <laughs> we all know what Classen's like. <laughs> and, and he came along, grabbed me by the arm, picked me up and said, come on, let's go. And you just you get revitalized like that. And, uh, and of course, like what you were saying, all the people along the course, boy, that don't know you. But yeah. they are just, just like they know you for that brief second that you're running by, and they just keep going, keep going. You can, you can do this. Or then sometimes you'll see people that do know you in, in that yes. crowd, yes. and it, it, even more energy to keep going. And It really picks you up when you see somebody you know along oh, the race. <laughs> you can be beaten, so yes. beaten in, in your mind. You, yeah. think you, you think your legs are so tired and you can't run another mile. And you do see that friendly face. See a familiar face. And, and then you have to start running faster. Yes. You, you, you don't want to look like you're walking. <laughs> you have to look good. Or look like, yes. All of a sudden, you like looking like you're coming across the finish line, you know? <laughs> like, this is easy. And then once they're, they can't see you anymore, then you're just like oh, slogging <laughs> <Yeah>. along again. <laughs> Amy, t- talk a little bit about Hope and, and your story, which has been a remarkable journey over the past 25-plus years. You know, when the bombing happened, I found myself basically buried alive. And 
I had a time of reflection because I thought I was going to die. And so I really began thinking about my life, having life flash before my eyes, and really had a lot of regret for how I had not lived. And so when I was freed and and I got out, I made a promise to God that I was never going to live my life the same. And that has carried with me in a lot of different ways in just living my life with purpose and with intention. And, you know, for me, I really like the definition of hope being that it's the idea that your future can be better and brighter than your past and that you actually play a role in making that happen. And that definition was out of a book called Hope Rising, the Science Behind Hope. And so for me, I began doing that, setting these goals and steps to to get to where I wanted to be. And to me, that was hope. And that's just like the marathon. If you train for the 5K or the half or the full— you know, you don't start out doing the 5K, the half or the full, right? You start out doing a block, maybe a driveway to a driveway, or then it's five miles, then it's 10 miles. I mean, you work your way up until you reach that finish line. And so the whole event to me is hope and action. All these people who envisioned the finish line of future, better and brighter than their past. I'm going to get this medal. I'm going to have the bragging rights. I'm going to whatever it is, right? Prove to myself I can do it. And little by little, step by step, the weeks and months go by and they do it. You know, I just think that is so powerful. And that just really hits me when I see the people crossing the finish line that's what inspired me to do it. The first time I was with Carrie working the finish line, handing out medals, and I saw these people crossing the finish line, and I'd never been a runner in my life. I'm like, you, I did, you know, I'm not a runner. <laughs> and I got so inspired, and I, me and my big mouth, I told Carrie and everybody, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run next year and honor my friends who were killed. And so that's how it started. But, yeah, to me, hope, uh, that's why I wrote, wrote a book called Hope is a Verb, because it's action. Hope is action, and we're part of that action. And that's what I see when I see these, the walkers yeah. and the runners and the volunteers. And, you know, it's just amazing. And, and that's unique and special to this race, too. Yeah, it really is. You know, you look back and you, you make those runs that are 6.30 in the morning or 7 o'clock in the morning, yep. and it is uh, 20 degrees or minus 20, yep. and it's snowing. My favorite, though, is there's lots of groups. You've got Red Coyote. You've got Land Runners. You've yes. got—there's a couple of others. And when you start getting close to the race and you're doing your long run and you're running around downtown and stuff, and you start seeing other groups, like yes. Land Runners yeah. is coming yes. by, and then you and the, see the Red Coyote group, and you're crossing corners, and you see all the coolers, water coolers set up with different— training group names on them yes. and you're just like it feels like all of Oklahoma City is out preparing <laughs> it's great it's really cool yeah it really yeah. is it's, great. it's very rewarding to then you fi- cross that finish line and you're able to look back at yeah. all those times that you stuck it out and you trained and you trained and ran injured or you yeah. just kept pushing and pushing and, and you realize I can I can do more I, I, right, you know, right, right. The hope is a verb. Yeah. My favorite. Okay, I got to share this. So it was really <laughs> cold. You're running to the point of like, I didn't think people ran when it was cold because I thought you would die. And then found out, no, apparently you still run. So, but I sweat. <laughs> I have, I like sweat big time. And so I'm running. It's 20 something degrees outside. I was running with, with Red Cody. And I came back and everybody started going, oh my gosh, look at your hair. And I, I had sweat sickles in my hair. Oh, no. My oh my sweat had frozen in my hair. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. 
<laughs> sweat sickles. <laughs> sweat sickles. That's when you know you've really done a good workout. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love what you're saying, too, just as we're looking into the new year and, and somebody who's sitting at home who's never run before. I love that you are saying you can do this, too. Yes. There is a place can. for you. Maybe your start is that you run down your block. And you add from there, and you just one day at a time. And I think each each of you are kind of speaking to that, that everybody can run this race in some capacity. And you don't have to be. I mean, the running groups are great, too. But I live um, outside of Stillwater. I live in the country, and I run down. I have to go a little bit to a paved road, but I run down a paved road, and I have a very busy work schedule. But for me, it just became kind of this cathartic time. You can turn your phone off. Nobody's bothering you. And just for me, by myself, was great. What was really interesting to me about training for the half marathon is kind of all the pieces that came out of that. You're setting these goals, and then things kind of try to sneak up on you in the process of that. Me, I live in the country, so there's four different places where these stinking dogs chase me every single time. But it's kind of this life metaphor of here's your goal that you're headed to and there's going to be things that try to sneak up on you literally or figuratively but it's to your point of that hope of I'm in control of what that is and so just to keep after it and head towards that goal and bring a stick or pepper spray or whatever you need (laughs) to make sure the dogs don't get you. One of the things I really like watching the finish line and what inspired me to attempt to do the first uh, half that I did was seeing all the different body types and shapes. I was heavy, and I saw heavy people crossing the finish line. All of a sudden, I realized my picture of a runner was a tall, lean, young person. And I'm getting ready to be 55, and I'm a little heavier. And I didn't think, you know, that I was a runner. And then when I started training with all these different groups, and I found that even the ones that were the tall, lean, young people, they said, no, you're a runner. No, if you run, like, you're a runner. Right. And so it just, anybody who's out there thinking about it, don't think you're not the type of person because you would be surprised you are the type of person. Because you look around when you're in that pack, and, yeah, there's tall, lean people, but there's a lot more people that look what you wouldn't think a, quote, runner or walker looks like. I try to share that with people all the time because they'll ask me, "Hey, how, how do you how do you run or want running advice?" I think a lot of people's perception is that everybody that runs in marathons is that oh, you're an Olympic athlete. That that everybody's there, everybody's running six minute miles, and they'll just be all alone. And I've I always share with them, there's some very fast people, but a lot of the people they're all back here, you know. And you'll find your group that you will run in. Somebody that runs at your speed, your pace. And, uh, you know, the friendship you make while you're running 20 miles and the things you talk about or the people that you meet is incredible. It's true. Yep. I always say my race, my pace. Yes. So my race, my pace. Yeah. Good stuff. What does this race mean for the community? I really think for Oklahoma City, it's just this wonderful time where it doesn't matter who you are, what you look like, where you're from. And just to see that that day, and you kind of touched on this, Amy, it doesn't matter what you look like or how fast you are. It's everyone is cheering for everyone. And I think for the community to see that this is a great day to come together and celebrate all the good things that have happened over the last 20 plus years, 
What about you, Amy? What do you think it means? I think one thing that's really special is the 168 seconds of silence before it begins. Because, you know, we have people now who weren't alive in 95. And so I feel like those moments, that reverence, it's just really special because you've now got thousands of people coming together who may not have even been alive on that day. But they honor the lives that were lost, and that's that's really powerful. Greg? Well, I think it's about the honoring the, the lives that were lost, the lives that were changed, and everybody that comes out for that, and they just celebrate it. As you guys look back over the last two-plus decades of the race and and working through what you have each individually overcome personally by being impacted by the bombing, what is it that stands out, or how similar is a marathon and running a race to your life journey? Oh, gosh. It is ex- absolutely. Like, when I was running through Nichols Hills, and it was before they had repaved the the pavement, so it was really cracked. And I remember running through that, and I was going through a very difficult time in my life. I was going through a divorce, and I was looking at all these beautiful homes up and down and thinking, you know, how beautiful everything looks, and then looking at the cracks in the pavement and thinking that's kind of how I feel like my life is right now kind of cracked, you know. But then having the people coming out and cheering you on and— I remember somebody, a friend of mine actually came and I was struggling and and came and brought me some Advil and some water. And I'm like, it just felt like life. Like sometimes things don't go, maybe outwardly everybody thinks you're fine, everything looks pretty, but you get close and there's a lot of cracks, you know. But then there's the people that come and help you right when you need it along your journey. And to me, that's been that way in my life. I've had people that have come and helped me in my time of need. And And then it helps you want to do the same thing for others. We're all running this race every day, and there are days that are really good, and you're like, okay, this is great. But then there'd be some days where I'm like, I I can't even run this first mile. But you charge ahead, and you continue to do that. And I think so, so many similarities to our life. And, you know, like Amy said, my race, my pace, that's for all of us to know that as individuals for our life. Your story is your story to write how you want it, to prepare. And two, I think your results from preparing and training, it's just like the results we get in our life. The more you put in, the more opportunity exists there, the better you're going to do. And that there's days that you want to give up and say, I want to go to Starbucks and quit (laughs) and not do this anymore. But there are uh, people that are going to show up at the right time. For me, it was a really interesting tie, and I know everyone's faith is a little bit different, but so many ties to our faith. And when you're walking and need somebody to help you along. That's the truth. That's the truth. That is absolutely. You know, also, that you were talking about wanting to give up. That's a huge comparison. When you think about doing a marathon, you have to have a positive mindset because you have to overcome those moments. And that's like our lives. I mean, we have bad things that happen, but it's how we choose to respond to it. And just like you said, you and your family like to really think about the positive things. And we have to do that when you're running the race and you have to do that in this race of life, too, you know. Yeah, the pain's still there. You just got to work, figure out how to work through it. Mm -hmm. That's right. I will say, I know I'm getting emotional, but this year I went to check into the hotel the night before, gave the lady my card, and I just started sobbing. The important thing for people to think about is this race is still so important. Mm -hmm. 
because I'd done all this training. It's not that I was sad, but it was like, okay, here. I mean, it's, it's just, here. It's, yes, yes. And the poor lady at the hotel was like, uh, <laughs> are you okay? Do you need some water? She gave my daughter like some macaroons or something. I don't know. They thought that I was, <laughs> but I just say, even after this long, still very important to everybody. Your mom's still gone. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I had to kind of smile because I know what you're talking about, about the tears. When we had gone through Lake Hefner, and I was struggling. I was having some issues with my knees, and I had gone into one of the porta potties and then when I came back out, there were two, like, security-looking, medic-looking people standing there. They had been watching me, and they tried to get me to go off the course. They said, we really think you probably need to, you know, they were going to take me off the course. And I just flipped out. I started bawling, crying, like lost it. And I was like, tape my, you know, I don't even know what it means to tape your leg up. But you see it, you know, on TV. I'm like, (laughs) tape my leg up. I just need some tape. And I think I scared them because I was like yelling, I need tape. And so they taped my legs up and I can't even run it. I just, all I can do is walk. And I'm like limping, walking, bawling, like ugly crying. And the water stop was right there. And I think those people, I just saw the looks on their faces. They were just looking at me like, what is wrong with this lady? (laughs) But it did, it just all, you know. Well, I wrote the lady a note at the hotel afterwards to say, sorry, I don't typically check into a hotel this way. (laughs) Thank you for being so kind. You you taught her a story that day. (laughs) Do you see today's generation carrying this event forward into the future? How do we teach our kids about this event and the importance of it? I absolutely see it going. It's only getting bigger. And that is kudos to Carrie and her team. I mean, the memorial, they everything they do, first of all, they do with excellence. And so this event is only getting bigger and bigger. And it's because it's such a sense of community, I think it's taking on more. I mean, it still honors the lives and and that's what it was meant to do, but it also is now becoming just part of our community in so many ways. And so I think it's only going to get bigger. You talk about the younger generation. My daughter, uh, seeing me go and run all, all the time, one year she wanted to go volunteer on some of the training runs. I mean, so it was really important for her even to yeah. go and do that. So I think it, it's, you know, it's us being good stewards, talking mm-hmm. positive about it, you know, and representing it correctly. I think it'll continue well, well into the future. My, my son, he was is in the drum line at OU. And actually, when he was in the drum line at high school, he wanted to come out to our water stop and play. Him and his, his friends, they would come out and play for the runners. And he still talks about that. So, yeah, I think the younger generation, I think they're embracing it. And Blaine, you've got your kids running? Oh, yes. My kids run now. I mean, they started when we were pushing, and my older sister has two little girls, too. I mean, we pushed them in strollers. So they see the pictures over all the years of us doing it as a family. And then they were very proud, certainly, when they got old enough and had the ability to run the whole 5K. I mean, that was a big deal for them. So I think there is this enthusiasm for it. And then I think another piece that I feel like I see more and more young people is the tags that say I'm running in memory of. I think people have chosen to learn about an individual or several, you know, they don't, they, when they pick that name, when they go to check in, then they learn that person's story. And I think it makes it more personal to them. And then they want to come back and run again. So I think there's an interest and enthusiasm. And to your point, I think it's really growing and will continue to do so. Do you think that this helps keep your mom's memory alive with your children? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just because 
We try to make it a very positive event. We take that time to share stories about my mom. And since we have so many people that come in and some that come in to just watch or to support us, so the kids get to hear certainly from us, but then from that extended family about who she was and why she was so special. And so that's a really great opportunity for us. Can you tell us a little bit about your mom and For those who don't know, Blaine is the first female secretary of agriculture. So did your mom kind of help influence your career? And can you talk a little bit to that? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So my mother was a veterinarian. She worked for USDA and actually wasn't supposed to be there that day, but had to stop and pick some things up before heading to a meeting in Stillwater. But just very driven, uh, very supportive of everything my sisters and I did. And I think the best thing that we learned from her was— Whatever you want to do, you can do it. Um, You know, she was a veterinarian at the time when, if you looked at the class going through, she was graduated from OSU, a lot more men that were in that class than there were women. And so certainly she was kind of leading in an area. There aren't always a lot of females. So she very much led in that area. very enthusiastic, uh, very, very funny. I know that she would get a kick out of the fact that we're all running because she was certainly not a runner (laughs) either. So I'm sure she gets a lot of uh, humor out of that, but just very gregarious. And and that's the fun thing is to hear other people talk about her because we certainly saw her through the lens of a child, but we have had some fabulous opportunities and a lot of them because of the race of her coworkers or people that she knew from the building Uh, Then you get to hear this other story. You know, I, working in my capacity, have gotten to work with some folks who worked with her. So she's a very special person, and the work the memorial does and that the race does helps us to hear even more stories about her that we didn't know. What does the Oklahoma standard mean to you as it relates to the marathon? Greg, can you speak to that? Everybody demonstrates that, that Oklahoma standard by the outpouring of uh, support for the race, all the people that show up for the race, you know, it was 25,000 people, just all the people that just come out and and support the event, people that aren't just running, just all the other support facets that that go into this. And and from the running standpoint, just see all the people that are out there running. Mm -hmm. Just incredible. As a first responder, though, (laughs) as you run through those neighborhoods and you guys bear so much burden day in and day out for our community, and you're on race day running through those communities, what does that mean to you? It, it makes me just so proud to see all these people that are out there at that, like we talked about Gorilla Hill or uh, running down Classen, you know, when you're so <laughs> tired and if people don't know Classen, that when you come down Classen, it's really an uphill approach. And there's always wind. And there's wind in your face. <laughs> and it lasts forever. And it lasts it's forever. Very, very it's very, very long. It never it's, stops. It's like <laughs> so long. You're so tired. Right. Everything hurts. But there's still people out there just encouraging you to go on. They don't know you from from anybody, and they give you that encouragement, and then the person behind you, same amount of encouragement, and you just see that on and on and on, all the way to the finish. And then after the finish, when you're walking around with your medal and you're so proud of yourself, and there's people that don't know you, but they know you just completed that run, and they say, congratulations, and you just get that swelling of pride in the, from, from a complete stranger. Yeah. It's so rewarding. Mm-hmm. If you've run an, another race other than the Memorial Marathon, how does how does this compare? What's the difference? I've participated in a lot of different half marathons, full marathons, and an Ironman. I have to slip that in to yep. brag. Congratulations. That's very um, impressive. Anyway, and so, and I've gone out of state for a lot of these events. And I am not just saying this because it's Oklahoma. 
this is the best. From the expo all the way to the finish. Now, let me back up. From the from the training, like from the training from the Memorial Minute that they put out, the encouragement, like we hear the little radio spots and the email blast and just the engagement from the Memorial with the community, like pumping us up to get there. And then the vibe at the expo, mm-hmm. all the events that are planned the volunteering, the community, and the finish line. It just, all of it, it's with such excellence and consistent. So there's never a year where you go, oh, they were off this year. And that's not the same with a lot of other events. So I think the consistency and that it's done with such excellence really sets this race apart from any other. It reminds me of what you were saying of your decision to live your life with intention. Mm-hmm. This race has such intention yes. with every aspect right. of it. Right. Yeah. I, and I've done some other races too, you know, locally, out of state, and there's not that level of support. Right. You just, you can feel it. Right. You know, you'll out there about mile 18 somewhere. Yes. And you'll go, there is nobody out here. And you start getting in your head. And yeah. Because yeah. you really get a lot of support from just the people that are out there cheering you on. I've done some other events where you're about mile 18 or whatever, and you're like, I think I'm just a random person am, in a neighborhood. Am, am I like, lost? Am I, am I still in a race? I'm not sure anymore <laughs> because there's nobody. Right, right. <laughs> we have now established that we are all runners at this table. Okay. <laughs> we're going to have, have to make her Blaine, stand. you are a gonna, runner. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Why should others participate? What would you say to somebody who's on the fence about running in general, running the Memorial Marathon? What could you say to motivate them to run with us? I'll start because I had a lot of people that said, why are you doing a half marathon? You have super, super busy job. You have two kids. You know, you're having to carve this time out. Because, it. I mean, it is, you have to dedicate your time to do it. Was that your husband asking? Uh, mostly, yes. Okay. <laughs> um, mostly. <laughs> I've had a lot of opportunities in my life. For me, this was something that was very, very hard. I mean, it was very hard. And to set this goal to work towards I think it is probably one of the—and again, I've had a a lot of opportunities to do some unique things in my life, but the sense of accomplishment to say, I have control over my success in this event. And then just the relationships that you build, the enthusiasm, seeing the Oklahoma Standard in action the day of the race. And I will say this, people who run are the most positive— and supportive group of people I have ever been around in my entire life. It is amazing. And it doesn't matter how fast you are or how slow you are. If you're out here running, kudos to you. So yes. it's wonderful, wonderful kind of community that you can be part of. That's great. And, you know, you talk about, was it your husband asking you, why are you going to do this? I, you know, all the training that we go and do— I, and for me, I couldn't do that without the support of my wife. It, it brings you together closer as a family, I think, too. For sure. For mm-hmm. sure. My kids—so we live in the country, and so my kids would ride their four-wheelers down the road and be like, here's a bottle of water, Mom. Keep <laughs> going. You're doing good. So lots of family yes. togetherness to do it. I think everyone should participate in one of the events because it really can be life-changing. It extends out from the race. 
It's the idea that it's the accomplishment, and it translates over into so many other areas of your life because you picked this hard thing, this goal, whether it was the 5K or the full, and you did it. And it just boosts your confidence in all areas of your life. would also say that I think everyone should volunteer in some capacity at least once. Even if you never, ever want to walk or run, volunteering can— it is so powerful to see the human spirit in action. You will be moved. You will be changed just watching it. Yes. There truly is a place for everybody yes. in any capacity. I worked the water stop, and I would see all the runners come by, and it was just so moving and so inspirational. For me, I weighed 355 pounds, so I could not imagine doing anything like that. And one year, my sister ran by at the water stop, and there's a picture of me standing there with her. And I said to her, I said, you're so amazing. Like, I could never do this. And she had not always been fit and had lost some weight, got fit, and ran. And I said to her, she was 40 years old, and I said, well, maybe when I turn 40, something magical will happen to me, and I'll lose weight, and I'll get to do it. (laughs) Ha, 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 laugh, you know. But there was a seed planted in me that I saw this, and I saw what people could do. And there was part of me that said, you know, if people can do things like this, then maybe there's a chance. Maybe I could. Like, maybe I could. And so it changed me in a really powerful way by just letting me see what we're capable of and sparking that thought that maybe me, maybe me. That's, that's important for people to hear that too, because other people that what I've experienced is they they see the themselves in that same way. It's like, well, I can't do that. That's just so hard. I'm not strong enough. I'm not fit enough. Mm-hmm. But when they hear your story or your story or just words of encouragement from another runner that yes, you can do this. Here's a training program, and you you can do this. It's not easy. But nobody cares how fast you run it. Just come right. out here and run with right. us and right. achieve this uh, this goal. Right. You know, and you can really change, you can change people's lives. Mm-hmm. Look, looking back to April 19th, 1995, you guys were all at ground zero in, in one way or the other. And then fast forwarding or looking forward to 2022. What is it inside you that decided that you would take the very worst and make something good of it? For me, I felt like if I was going to live and I was here, it was my responsibility to do that because, you know, my coworkers were killed and they're gone. And if I'm here, for whatever reason, I'm still here, I have a second chance at life and I need to make the best of that. And for me, that meant responding as positively as possible to everything that was happening to me. I think for me, it's that you don't want to let the bad win. And I think every year that we run, we keep saying, you know, there are people who wanted something really bad to happen and to change uh, people's lives and to extend the hate other places. But I think every year that we show up and cheer others on, it's us saying, that doesn't win here in Oklahoma City. That's the same thing for me, really. We won't be beaten, knocked down, we get back up, and we keep going. I That's- love that. Yeah. Oklahoma yeah. standard. Yes, ma'am. Remarkable journey. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And encourage others along yeah. the way. You know, be that great example for others to, hey, come on, you can do this too. I just think it's such an important lesson to learn because I mean, you three represent three important stakeholder groups, but there are hundreds of others just like you that are survivors or family members or sure. 
or first responders or families of each of these groups. And as you look back and then you think forward to today, just the journey you each have been on is representative of so many. And you figured out how to run and enjoy life, even though you lost so much. I think that's a real inspiration to so many people that sometimes you, you probably don't even realize. But we appreciate you and your, your candor and your honesty and just being willing to share that with so many people. It was very nice to talk with all of you. I feel like a lot of people will learn a lot of things from the words that you had to say and be inspired. And I hope that in April they run with us. Yes. I hope so. Yes. Run to remember with us. (laughs) It's time now for our course spotlight segment. Joining us is Oklahoma City Mayor David Holt. Can you tell us from a mayor's perspective what the Memorial Marathon means to the city? I like to think we're a city that does things with meaning. This is not just a marathon. And it certainly, it reflects more than just the opportunity to to get a good time and run 26 miles. I mean, it's a marathon that even when people run it because they were just looking for a marathon, they always leave here with a, a deep sense of the meaning that this marathon has for our community. They're always reminded of what happened here. And that's a story we always think is important and relevant, not just to our city, but to everybody. And the fact that people come from almost every state every year and are reminded of that story, it's it's a great opportunity to show people something really important about the soul of our city. It's very nice to have that connection to all these runners, these tens of thousands of runners who come here every year. So we've been running the marathon now for more than 20 years. How has it evolved and changed over time? As the years have gone on, obviously, it's become more of a historical event and less of a direct experience for a lot of people. I mean, we have many survivors and families who who draw great meaning from the memorial and the events around it, and that's the first priority. But secondarily, you do also want to bring relevancy to people who weren't even alive then or were so young they don't remember it, and that population grows ever greater every year. And so we definitely see a role for the memorial and the marathon. For us, it means another opportunity to remember April 19th, to bring continued relevance to that event. It's really important that the memorial have a physical tie to the race. And so the runners gather near the memorial. Many of them will probably have walked through the memorial at some point, whether by choice or necessity to get to the starting point. And that reminder is really critical, as is the 168 seconds of silence that we all engage in at the beginning, right before the runners take off. And, uh, you know, there's tens of thousands of people. So it's no, even though it's like five in the morning or something, there's a lot of energy and a lot of noise. And then it all shuts down for 168 seconds. And it's, it's quite eerie to have that silence with so many people present. But it's very meaningful, and it certainly allows everybody to sort of recenter and think about why they're there. You know, it's not just about the great race we hope they're about to run, but it's also about remembering and rising to the occasion. So that 168 seconds, which we also do, of course, at the annual commemoration on April 19th, is has become a, a hallmark of, of memorial and marathon events. I think these are the two single most important events uh, that we have in our city. I'm very cognizant of what they mean, and I feel the obligation as mayor to continue to carry that onward and make sure that it always is meaningful to our residents. So what about you? Have you or anybody in your family ever run the marathon? So my family and I typically run the kids marathon. So I like to, which is a mile, right? Or mile two or something. So I like to, uh, I like to often joke, yeah, that I, I've run a marathon, the kids marathon. But uh, yes, we, for the last several years, my kids are 12 and 10. So we have 
often kind of helped kick off the kids marathon and, and run it as well. So we've seen lots of changes over the last several years on the course of the marathon. Can you tell us about those changes and what's been behind those efforts? One of the things that has been uh, very heartening is how the leadership at the Memorial and the Marathon have worked to move the the course into all the parts of the city. You know, I mean, when I came into office, I talked a lot about 1OKC and I talked a lot about bringing Northeast and South Oklahoma City and and people from different ethnic backgrounds and different perspectives into the conversation, but we're being far more intentional and inclusive about that now. And so you've seen us uh, in the last few years make efforts to incorporate South Oklahoma City as much as we can and, and now also Northeast Oklahoma City. So that provides some real concrete ties to the Latino community, to the African American community, and I know that'll only grow in the years ahead. What kind of impact does an event of this size mean to Oklahoma City? When you bring 25,000 people to Oklahoma City, I mean, obviously some of those are runners here, but many of them are not. Um, that's a huge economic impact. You're filling hotel rooms, you're filling restaurants, and not just for one morning, but really for a full weekend. So it's a massive event for our community, uh, for sure. And those folks leave a lot of dollars behind. You can obviously recognize the the economic growth that we've seen in the city, and this has been a contributor to it. So as a runner myself, there's so many races that I can choose from. So why should I choose the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon? I don't know a thing about the marathon circuit. I have no idea why you would choose to run in Oklahoma City from a running perspective. But I cannot imagine there's another marathon in the country that has more meaning. I can't imagine there's another marathon in the country that has more community support. I think you're going to really enjoy the way that you experience the race itself through our city and all the support that you get. And it's also a great excuse to come see Oklahoma City. You know, I mean, this is like an it city that I recognize a lot of people maybe haven't visited yet. And they're kind of hearing about what's happening here. They're noticing it moving up the population rankings. And But this may still not be a place that they've spent much quality time in. So the marathon's a great excuse to come and spend a long weekend and visit the memorial and the museum and do all these things that uh, you can do in Oklahoma City now and run a race. Thank you, Mayor Holt, for joining us today. We really look forward to seeing you at the race in April, even if it's at the kids' race. Well, here we are. That's a wrap on episode one of the Run to Remember podcast. We hope you found it both informational and inspirational. And now we want to hear from you. What would you like to hear about on this podcast? Should I accept my daughter's challenge to try the full marathon this year? Do you know of any runners we should meet, have stories to share, or topics you'd like to hear discussed? Let us know through the podcast tab on okcmarathon.com. The Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon takes place April 23rd and 24th. You can sign up now at okcmarathon.com. All race proceeds benefit the Oklahoma City National Memorial and Museum. Thanks so much for tuning in today. In our next episode, you'll hear from running ambassador Mark Bravo, city manager Craig Freeman, and civic leader Chris Fleming. This is Kristen Fairs, and we'll see you next week. Mom!